So welcome to this month's edition of Scale Fusion Podcast, uh, Partner Perspectives. Uh, we've got Chad Norby from TRG. Chad, I, I wanna I gotta look at my notes to be honest. I gotta make sure because you got a long title here. So I wanna make wanna make sure I get it right. So Chad Norby, Director of Enterprise Services and Global Alliances with TRG. Welcome to the Scale Fusion Podcast. Thanks, Steve. Uh, pleasure to be here this afternoon. Yeah, we uh, I, it, we we made it happen, man. I know we had some technical difficulties getting started, uh, but we're happy to get this recorded and shared with uh, with our audience. So, um, Jed, I want to just start out. Could you introduce yourself and uh, kind of what you do and what TRG does? Let's start with that. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So, uh, let's start with TRG, and I'll kind of dive into my background a little bit. So TRG is part of a private group of companies based out of Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, we've been in business, actually our anniversary was this month, uh, tw 21 years now. So we, we got started in the uh, ruggedized side of the business, traditionally known as supply chain, uh, doing a lot of work around ruggedized devices, scanning, et cetera. You fast forward to today, and we have spanned the entire enterprise from supply chain to uh, your, your front of house enterprise side, everything from iPhones to Android, Samsung devices, really any connected endpoint, uh, we provide a full lifecycle managed service uh, around today. Uh, we operate seven facilities out of five different countries and our core footprint really focuses around the United States, Canada, and Europe. So excited to talk further. Um, we, we, <laughs> we could go on and on about TRG, but I'll, I'll leave it there for the moment. Um, well, I, I would just add that you guys have a tremendous team and a tremendous uh, facility and, and company. I've, I've had the privilege of going to visit and everything. And um, and and I'm still happy to work with you guys, even though you're from Ohio and I'm from Michigan, or like the company's in Ohio and I'm from Michigan. There's this U of M versus, you know, Ohio State thing, but uh, still worth worth working with you guys. And uh, I don't let the rivalry get in the way of working with great partners. So. Well, so I'm not entirely sure what you're referring to, because being from Austin, Texas, myself, having grown up in Minnesota, I, I thought momentarily you were referring to the continual dominance of the Detroit Lions by the Green Bay Packers. But yeah, if, yeah, if this yeah. is Ohio, yeah. Michigan thing, you know, we, we can certainly talk about that, too. This is the year to be talking about the Lions as well, but that's that's for another <laughs> podcast. So um, <laughs> sorry to sorry to derail that, but thanks for the great explanation on TRG. And probably more specifically, what about you? What's your role look like and uh, uh, what keeps you busy these days within TRG? Yeah, sure. So uh, as you said, I'm our director of enterprise services and global alliances. So. I spend my day thinking about how to deliver these lifecycle services for our clients on any type of endpoint. Again, from an Android device to a ruggedized device to uh, a kiosk, et cetera, anywhere in the world that our, our clients are doing business. So 
I I focus a lot on our not only our uh, our in-house operations in Europe and North America, but also working with our strategic partners around the world to provide our clients with a a single global managed service. Gotcha. And how uh, how would you say that's unique or different, or what kind of challenges do you guys tackle? on a global scale that are different than what you see companies dealing with that are just domestic here in the US? Sure. So, I mean, global really is, is an extension of what you have in US operations, but where, where it gets very nuanced very quickly is many organizations, even if they are multinational, even if it's in North America or Europe or, or spanning the larger globe down into Latin America, Asia Pac, et cetera, you, you run into a couple of, of key differentiating factors that come into play. Typically in the US, your stakeholder has a a mandate for the entire country. So they can implement policies that impact all 50 states. When you start about going global, though, in many cases, you don't necessarily have a stakeholder or there are different stakeholders who will have a global remit. So it's not uncommon to be working with an organization that may make decisions and policies on a regional or national basis. And so that, that's one aspect that you have to deal with. But, but also... From a rest of the world perspective, you are dealing with very different cultural situations, depending on what country you're in. You're obviously dealing with uh, language barriers that come into play. And, and quite frankly, uh, a one-size-fits-all U.S. model has a lot of resistance in other areas around the world. In, in many cases, the business drivers and concerns, for example, in a Singapore versus a France versus a Brazil or even a Mexico are wildly different than what key stakeholders in the executive suite may be focusing on in the United States. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine the complexity. I mean, like you said, the decision-making's gotta be much more fragmented or a lot, a lot of different stakeholders are calling the shots to put together a global solution. And you're probably dealing with, with different types of uh, data and privacy laws in each country or or what you can do uh you know in those type of deployments too um how do you uh i mean how do you guys how do you guys do that how do you how do you keep track of all of that how do you manage it i know that's a that's a softball question lobbed up there but i mean like that's that's uh pretty impressive to be able to manage all of that complexity well if i gave you all the secret details i, I may be out of a job uh, but no, the, the, the reality re really is, is that it's being cognizant of the, the different regions and stakeholders within the organization and what those cultural realities are, making sure that everyone has a voice and is heard in, in the process. Uh, otherwise, you, you end up with two kind of common results. Either the U.S. throws up their hands and says... I'm done with the rest of the world. You go figure it out the way you want to do it, in which case you get no standardization. You get no economies of scale. You, you don't get many of these benefits. Um, or, or you end up in a program that is rolled out, but it's either circumvented or gets a lot of regional pushback. 
So it's it's really being understanding of those different markets and those different realities and in working with the organization to do a couple of things. When when you go global, nobody serves 195 countries around the world. They they, they just don't. So you really end up in kind of this 80, 20, 90, 10 rule. And so you're focusing on those key areas of the organization, but but it's also it important to realize that that uh, perfect is the enemy of good enough <laughs> in, yeah. in that you can spend a lot of time trying to come up with the perfect model when, when the reality is there's a lot of areas for incremental improvement in efficiencies and cost savings for these organizations without necessarily solving 100% of the puzzle. Gotcha. Yeah, and that's probably a good good segue into my next question was was more customer driven like what type of trends or like projects are you seeing companies asking for uh and, and is it is it the same that it's been in the last 5 years or are you starting to see different types of projects come up, come across your desk? Yeah, so that, it's an excellent question. Uh it, it it's a yes and no. <laughs> so um there, there's Two, two interesting trends. What One is similar around the world as well as the United States. And then there's an interesting area where large portions of the United States have diverged away from rest of the world. So uh, on the one hand, we are finally seeing this, this mobile first uh, type of IT approach is really starting to explode in, in many areas. So Mobile World Congress in Barcelona last year, there was uh, a number of excellent examples from Italy and Germany and various areas where these organizations are realizing that their their workforce today, your 20 and 30 something group, they grew up on mobile devices. That That's yeah, their world. Yeah. And so not only do they expect those to get their job done, but they just don't relate to a laptop PC centric type of world. So that in concert with the fact that mobility a long time ago passed that milestone of general saturation for that nice to have smartphone where we're doing some email, we're you know watching uh, Disney Plus you know at the airport, give it to your kids, you're browsing, doing Amazon Prime and what have you. So in conjunction with uh, this kind of democratization and mobility in this uh, mobile first, we're, we're really seeing a line of business or, or business purpose devices being deployed a, as a tool. And, and as a tool, they're not just nice to have anymore. These are devices that are essential for the employee to get their work done. I mean, there's obvious examples that we see in the airline industry where flight attendants and pilots literally can't function without their mobile device. Um, we're seeing other areas in healthcare, for example, where if they don't have their, 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 their tablet, things come to a screeching halt. But, but I think the biggest divergence that we're seeing in rest of the world versus the United States, and, and we've been seeing this escalate more and more over the last 10 years, is there's a very high level of awareness, uh, not only in the threat, but also in taking active steps to mitigate it around mobile security. And when I say mobile security, I'm not talking simply an MDM policy, but but I'm talking the marrying of MDM with 
uh, anti-malware and anti-cyber threat types of solutions as the, the rest of the world increasingly sees mobile as one of their primary threat vectors. And for some reason in, in the United States, I have numerous theories behind it, but in the United States, mobile uh, malware and, and cybersecurity protection uh, still flies under the radar. I was just talking to a chief information security officer the other day, and they just still don't just don't see it as as a primary threat. Still very much uh, focused on, you know, server patching, firewall, more more of those traditional areas. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. We I, we we're seeing that gap as well. We we obviously have you know partners and customers asking to uh, have us help along those lines and integrate with those other types of tools, which which we do, but. Um, it still seems secondary, like for for most people in the U.S. Here, it's not like uh, a top top of mind. I, I wouldn't say on the the mobile security side of things. Um, yeah. The, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you know, a, another interesting trend that is many many stakeholders in the U.S. tend to be blind to uh, is that your your Western countries, the U.S., and in, in many cases, your, your Commonwealth countries, iOS has a disproportionate share in the enterprise. But when you go rest of the world, um, iOS does not have that same disproportionate market share. Mm-hmm. And, and so the tools to address Android at a very granular level uh, are in higher demand in rest of the world than they tend to be in, in the U.S. market. Um, The other thing that we see in many areas, this has been true in Europe for a long time, too, is either an active or passive uh, pushback on some of the, you know, very U.S. centric solutions. And so we'll we'll see pushback around Intune or pushback around, you know, VMware in some areas of the market uh, in, in the global market that you don't necessarily get here. And so it definitely opens up different lanes and different preferences in, in different markets for how they're addressing not only device management, but device security issues. That's interesting. I mean, do you think that's just because that's, uh, like you said, they, they, that's, um, you know, they don't want to be put in the box. They want some more agility. They want to craft a, a, a more complex solution or just, just not that cookie cutter, uh, you know, go-to name that the U.S. is, you know, defaulting to sometimes? Or what do you think the, the what's driving that? I think that's part of it. But if you take a look at uh, the open source community, the open source has had far deeper roots and larger success in Europe than ever had in the U.S. Um, culturally, that lends itself more towards um, uh, Android in in where where people lean, but but I think the number one uh, driver I- in reality is that the the Android ecosystem co- covers a very very wide array of price points, and so yeah. if the we 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 just had new iPhones rolled out what last last week or, or I think so, um, but but take a look at the price points, and and now take a look at many of the countries that multinationals are operating in 
you know, wh whether it's across Middle East, Africa, Asia Pacific, and what have you. And you have far more countries that have a far lower average GDP than you would have in the uh, US or in a number of other markets. And so this simple default of I'm going to upgrade to a new $1,000, $800 iPhone every 12 to 24 months is just not. It, it's it, not viable, it, right? <laughs> it, 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 right. It, absolutely. It, it's not viable. And, you know, there are still people or corporations in the States that have contracts where they're like, well, we're only paying 99 cents for the iPhone. Well, yeah it's all buried somewhere else, right? It, it's still a $600,000, $800,000 phone. And, and that's reality that many of these other markets are dealing with. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, when you look at it that way, the, the diversity of uh, that hardware choice is one, like you said, the price points on Android and the various form factors, functionalities, there's, there's a lot more flexibility, I think, uh, w with Android, but, um, you know, for us, and, and maybe you can shed some light on this because, because you, you alluded to some organizations in the U S or even globally, just pick one standard device and that's it. You're getting iPhone or you're getting Android. Uh, what would you say the percentage of, you know, businesses you're working with that are just strictly one piece of hardware versus those that have mixed environments that are actually trying to manage a lot of different types of devices? Uh, it's always tough to put a number to that, but from, from a multinational perspective, it's exceptionally rare that you see an organization mandate one one platform globally. Uh, you, you may see that in industries like finance. You may see that in certain segments of transportation and, and what have you. Uh, but but generally, you, you'll see a mix. Uh, it, it also depends on the sector of the organization. So in, in your ruggedized space, uh, that w it's dominated by Android. And so that's simply a fact. Yeah. So airlines, a classic example, they, they tend to have this terminology of below the wing and above the wing, right? Below the wing is maintenance, it's flight ops, it's baggage handling and what have you. That's absolutely dominated by Android. But if you get it on, above the wing, so inside of the plane of any of your major U.S. carriers and many of your international carriers, that's dominated by iOS. So to a certain extent, it, it ends up being the use case. You know, the there is a fact about iOS slash iPadOS that has been true for a long time, and that is from a, a CIO perspective, when an OS release comes out, it comes out simultaneously for the entire world and all the devices, and, and you can manage that entire fleet much easier than sometimes you can on the Android side, where you're not dealing with unlocked devices, but in many cases, you're dealing with devices where patch and OS updates are dictated by the carrier. So when they're dictated by the carrier, so you know, Samsung unlocked devices, exception to the rule, right? right. Google Pixel, the exception to, to the rule. But for many of the devices, from a security and patching uh, perspective, that, that ends up getting very difficult. And we do work with organizations that gatekeep their environment uh, on an N minus one or N minus two OS perspective. And so they'll simply block devices from accessing corporate resources 
once they age past that n minus one or n minus two. And in a very heterogeneous environment with a lot of different manufacturers across a lot of different geographies, that that gets interesting. I mean, we we run a 24 by seven multilingual end user help desk. And in those environments, we'll get the IT dictate that's coming out, but then we get the flood of telephone calls when invariably people deleted that email, forgot about it, and all of a sudden their devices are being bounced off of um, off of the corporate resources. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Um, it's it's got to be very very complex when or you're going to know there's an issue. Let's just say that, right? When you do that software update, you're going to know pretty quickly if there's an issue or not because you guys are going to be getting phone calls. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, so shifting gears a little bit to like you, you you've we've talked about you guys do the whole life cycle management. You, I mean, I mean, you're starting, uh, you know, from procurement to managing the devices to bringing them back in and, and all everywhere in between. Right. Um, so obviously there's a component of uh, a MDM like ours involved. This isn't necessarily a scale fusion uh, commercial or anything, but I, I, I'm curious of what you're looking for you know, because you manage a lot of different MDMs, I'm I'm familiar. Uh, what are you looking for? What are your customers asking for in that space for a management tool to for these type of deployments, these type of global uh, deployments that you guys are working on? Sure. So that that's an excellent question, and I I, I don't want to dive into you know. Uh, your your side of the business in, in the engineering side. I'll, I'll talk about right. it more from from yes, from our that's side, what I mean. Right? From the business driver side, like what are or like the what are, what are those stakeholders asking for? Because in in my experience, a lot of times the decision makers don't don't really care how it happens or which MDM is being used or whatever. They're just saying, I want it to be able to do this. These are the things I want or I want to either restrict or enable, and go figure it out and do it. And uh, I, I'm just kind of curious what what you're hearing from uh, from your opportunities. Yeah, so so it really comes down to not not the feature list because from a feature list perspective, it, it seems like everyone checks the same boxes in many cases, right? It, it's the execution of those features, and so we we see this in a couple of areas. We see it in the actual. Um, uh, bootstrapping or enrollment of the devices into into the MDM platform. And in, in a perfect world, whether we're using Apple Business Manager or Android Zero Touch, that communication between those platforms and the MDM and the subsequent uh, device wizard for the enrollment, that just happens seamlessly. But I, I can certainly tell you from feedback from our operations people, that's not the case. Uh, especially in what I'll call that fast follower or long tail segment uh, of the MDM market. And, and when, when that starts to go off the tracks, that starts to cause a lot of enrollment problems that hit operations. Or if you're truly embracing the zero touch, zero, um, you know, pre uh, configuration or deployment where the devices are going directly to the end user it, it creates frustration on the employee level and it drives calls to your help desk and frustration and calls generates friction, which generates costs. 
So that, that, that's not good. The, the other area that, that's very critical is that um, it's the ease of creating and deploying policies. So uh, many, many organizations, as they're rolling out new lines of business or, or they are tailoring to different regions or, or segments, need to be able to make policy changes or create new policies or, or do scripting. And many of the tools out there are, are not efficient or, or friendly in how that's done. So the ability to make changes quickly, test them and, and deploy them um, out into the active user population, the, the, those are critical. And, and like I said, they don't show up on paper, but the yeah. lack of them or the uh, efficiency and effectiveness of them absolutely shows up in practice. Yeah, I think it's sometimes hard to quantify that, but we, we hear that very uh, often when people try our product. We can do the same thing as, you know, another MDM, but but they'll be like, hey, this took me two clicks on Scale Fusion and it took me 12 on, you know, another competitor. And that's that adds up all, all like you said, the ease of use and, and being able to do do things efficiently and make those changes quickly um, is huge. And it and it impacts the customer experience impacts the bottom line like you alluded to like all of these small components add up into really big impact uh on the customers oh it, it does i mean everything that we do is at the margin and, and what i mean by that is it, it's efficiencies at the margin it's improving processes at the margin it's improving the end user experience the, these are all the areas that we work with our clients to deliver uh, on the experience. And so to your point, if you can go from uh, four clicks to two or, or what have you, that that drives not only cost savings, but, but it impacts the end user experience, which is actually an interesting point. Uh, we definitely saw this during the COVID period and, and now the post period is that mobility is increasingly becoming a employee benefits, not the right term. It's becoming part of the employee experience and, yeah. and choice is driving it as part of the experience. A Apple loves to hear that since they've been behind the uh, employee choice mantra for a while. Uh, but, but it really goes all the way down to when an employee gets their device. It's part of that unboxing experience. It's part of that, you know, I have my new device or I'm a new employee and this is part of me becoming part of that corporate organization. And so how that goes on everything from the packaging to the presentation to how seamlessly they're up and running, the, this is now not an area of just IT, it's an area of HR and it's an area of retention and it's an area of, of branding. So anything that is... Um, not efficient or, or or not seamless, then is simply a drag or friction on that experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we could probably keep talking about this for a long time, Chad, but I know like uh, we're we're going to try to keep keep our our time short here to 20, 30 minutes, so it's digestible for everyone. Um, so I, I guess I'm just going to loft another softball question up here to you. Any last thoughts on what we're talking about to kind of 
kind of wrap things up. I know we covered a lot from the, uh, you know, customer experience to the monetary, um, you know, uh, decision-making and the stakeholders and all that on the global side of things. Um, anything you want to wrap things up with, uh, final thoughts? And then also, how does somebody get a hold of you if they, if they had questions, if they want to do business with you or just learn more? Sure. So at, at the end of the day, I think when we're talking about, uh, you know, a, a one country organization to a multi-country or organization, um, it, it really comes down to businesses local and being able to address what those local requirements are. But it's also very much in the quality of the partners that, that you're working with. And, you know, whether it's working with an organization like yours, whether it's working with, um, you know, other organizations in, in the ecosystem, it's really about partnering to drive that business success because it, inside of an organization, if mobility is just a nice to have, you know, it's just about watching TikTok or, or what have you, then then collectively our services are not not critical but if these devices are business essential and mission critical to serving customers and getting the job done then you want to make sure you're partnering with with the right organizations out there um as far as learning more about trg or getting in contact with us we can certainly be found at trgsolutions.com uh also we can certainly put my contact information on the screen if anyone is interested from there always happy to talk about what we're seeing globally uh and and some of the best practices around multinational and regional uh, enterprise mobility programs yeah definitely we'll be sure to link your info here chad in case anybody uh wants to connect with you i just want to thank you again for being on on our show um, I, I appreciate all the insights. Uh, I, I know you guys are experts at what you do and I uh, appreciate the global perspective too, because I think sometimes, uh, you know, w when a guy like me who's wearing that North America hat uh, is, is looking at creating partnerships, uh, usually within the US, I, I know it reaches globally too. So it's, it's uh, great to have that perspective. So appreciate you sharing it and being on the show. Yeah, I appreciate being here. Luckily, we never um, have to figure out how to find you. You are the most prolific <laughs> LinkedIn poster I know. So I look forward to the next chapter of that uh, tomorrow. But otherwise, Thanks, uh, you, thank you very much for being here. You'll you'll be on it, I'm sure, once we uh, release the podcast. So <laughs> I'll be glad, be glad to feature you. So all, all right, right. thanks a lot, Chad, and uh, yep. everyone else. Please tune in next month. We'll have another uh, a podcast for you. Thanks. Thanks, Steve.